dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. The second letter to St. Timothy is one of Paul's most important letters. Written at the end of his life, St. Paul leaves a legacy in the heart of Timothy for how he sees good leadership. It remains for us an amazing example of God's teaching for us on the power and truth of our own leadership and gives us valuable insights into what it means to please Christ by being a good soldier for him. All right, so open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We are studying here the pattern for leadership that St. Paul passes on to St. Timothy here in his second letter. So this letter is written at the end of his life. Paul's most likely in prison. He's going to be beheaded by the Romans in a very short amount of time. And he pours out his soul into St. Timothy by instructing this future evangelist and what it means to be an evangelist in his footsteps. And so you really get a glimpse at what St. Paul sees as necessary qualities for someone who's going to influence the world in the name of Christ. And I'd like to take those same qualities and then, of course, apply them to you in your professional sphere. Because I want to recall and remind you that your vocation as a business leader is not an accident And it certainly is not something that isn't without importance. On the contrary, your influence in the world is willed by God as a way for God to render this world better through you. You heal, you instruct, you counsel, you build, you you improve our world by an authentic understanding of what's necessary for this world's material progress as it is linked to its development of true humanity. In theology, we usually talk about it as nature and grace. We say that grace does not destroy nature or does not replace nature, but it does perfect nature. And in the same way, our Christian workers, they won't replace the economy, they won't replace the material functionings of a world, but we will do it in a way which is better. In the, sense, in the sense that whatever we do in the material world, the economic world, we do by always insisting that the material success and worldly progress that we achieve by our efforts be tied to a true human progress, a development of the inner portions of our culture and of our soul, the betterment of our families, and the, the, the spiritual values that need to permeate everything that happens in the world. You take that second part away and you say, oh no, that's just fluff. That's just some sort of Christian spirituality that doesn't have anything to do with actually transforming the world. And I'm going to say two things will happen. Firstly, The material development itself will corrupt and corrode because we all know that an economy 
that is not guided by spiritual principles will unavoidably self-destruct. It will lose its very humanity by not striving for the higher things. Corruption, uh, power, politics, division, violence, oppression, violation of human rights, all these things hamper material development. And so it's, it's almost an oxymoron because you think that, no, we're supposed to be developing our human development by diminishing spirituality. But in fact, when we recognize that all economic and scientific and technological advances are governed by the human spirit, the most important thing that we can do to guarantee that progress continues is to maintain and develop and deepen the human spirit that governs it. This is why Christian leadership is so important. It keeps away the corruption that diminishes even material and economic progress. The second thing that'll happen if you, if you take away the Christian spirituality from the world of work is that we'll redefine what true authentic greatness looks like. And we could, we, we could make all kinds of scientific advances, quote unquote, and all kinds of economic change and all kinds of technological change. But it could, in the end, end up defeating the human project by dis dividing the families, by diminishing the use of the intellect, and by warping what is the true human heart. When we define greatness, in other words, as Christians, we define the greatness of human development by the way that it develops humans for greatness. <laughs> and our understanding of greatness is a spiritual one. In other words, we eat in order to live and we, we work in order to eat. We eat in order to live and we live in order to glorify God. It's the highest form of life that there is. I would challenge you. You take God out of that equation and what are you going to replace it with? Pleasure? What are you going to replace it with? Self-aggrandizement? You're going, to, you're going to replace it with something. You're going to replace it with dominating others. I don't know what you're going to replace it with, but that's what's so dangerous about the equation. When we as Christians proclaim Christ in the workplace and assume the roles of leadership in the workplace, we're actually infusing the workplace with truly human values of a lifestyle and a trajectory of life which is higher than anything else could ever replace. No, no secular vision for our world can compete in grandeur and nobility and in depth of character with what we're proclaiming as Christians. This is why it's so important that we lead and why it's so important that we pay attention to what God teaches us about leadership like he does here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 where St. Paul gives us this real understanding that the influence that we're called to bear will not come without suffering. In fact, it'll be in a large portion commensurate with our ability to suffer. He calls upon St. Timothy, in other words, to fight this good fight with him. And I think he's calling you to do the same. That's why we're at the St. John Leadership Network are trying, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to equip you with God's word so that you can effectively bring this vision for our world into the practicalities of this world. Nothing could be more detrimental to Christianity than two extremes. Either so accentuating the material and progress that you forget 
the spiritual and the ultimate vision of where we're going as beings made to sing the glories of God or the other extreme of so emphasizing this spiritual that you act like the world of work has nothing to do with your Christian faith. And it's amazing because usually those two visions go hand in hand. The same person will, will live in both extremes. And this is what's so amazing about the modern American Catholic. As we go to work every day and we think that this is actually where my, my energy goes, my passion goes. And this is the thing that I'm going to use to, to determine the real level of greatness in my life. It's what society holds as an intelligent career and how much money I can make by it. And at the same time, we end up going to church and saying, yes, my God and my spirituality is my comfort, but it doesn't have anything to do with my workplace. And we, we, we embody both extremes at the same time. And both of those extremes are false because they need each other. Relig work needs spirituality to be governed right and to be maximized for its ultimate impact. And spirituality needs work in order to be truly incarnate and in order to, to be effective and to deploy all of its strength in the real practicalities of life. And the people that are going to bring faith to business and business to faith, it's you. And that's why we're investing in you. That's why we need to read 2 Timothy chapter 2 here together. Does your family matter? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a family mission infographic that will help you focus on your family. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2, St. Paul writes, and he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Right away, first, this is, this is verse 1. Paul just comes out and he uses this wonderful word. He says to be strengthened. Now, the word in Greek is endomeo. And endomeo means to be empowered within. So this, to be strengthened, yes, but the, the word in Greek is actually to find the inner power. Right? So in other words, may the power that, that is on the outside be brought inside of you. Because they know, why is that? Well, obviously anyone who's tried to lead knows that leadership comes from within the leader. That's what makes it so hard. So many of us just want a job. And so we just are someone else is leading and we're executing for them. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a fine thing. The, but the power doesn't really lie then in the worker. The power lies outside of the worker and the worker is simply executing the desires and the will that comes from the person who's leading. But when you shift into a position of leadership, you have to take that externalized power and put it inside of you. You are now at the front end of the ship breaking the ice. You are the tip of the spear that's going into the prey. You are the one who is making the way. It reminds me of that quote by Marcus Aurelius. And he says, the obstacle to the way becomes the way. Well, that's the, that's the spirit of a fighter, right? That's the, the impediment to action, he says, advances the action. Well, that's the word of a leader. The rest of us say, oh, the impediment to action. Well, we have to wait and stop and find out what we're supposed to do. And then someone will tell us what to do. And then we're supposed to just do it. And, you know, but that's because that's you're not leading. 
The Christian who's called to lead, the very first thing you need to do is take that power, that dunamis in Greek, and put it inside, and dunamis. Right? So be strengthened. Put the power inside of you that is in Christ Jesus. This always reminds me of one of the most beautiful moments in the baptism rite of the Catholic Church when we take the infant and we, we anoint the heart of the child. In the extraordinary form, you actually anoint both the front heart and then you turn the child over and you anoint between the two shoulder blades right in the center of the back so that the front and the back of the heart have received the strength of Christ. And as you anoint the child, you say, be strengthened with the strength of Christ. It's an amazing thing to remember that all of your hearts have been strengthened by Christ because we're not supposed to have a spirit of temerity or cowardice, deilias in Greek, this type of like bowing down in front of the world. No, no, no. We have the strength of Jesus Christ inside of us. This is why we lead. And we might lead by following. We might lead and have a job where we're supposed to execute, where we don't feel like we have a lot of leadership being given to us. That's not the type of, it's, it's not so much whether you have influence on the outside or not. It's how you approach the job that you do. How you are approaching this day of work. Are you approaching it as if Christ is within you, strengthening you so that you can execute well with intelligence and with passion and with all the best that you've got? Or are you approaching this day with cowardice, saying, I'm not quite sure I'm even going to make it through today successfully? In the, in the same way, how are you parenting with this spirit that comes on the inside? St. Paul looks, he says, you, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Take the power that is in Christ and put it inside of you. Wow, it's such a refreshing message because so many of us feel disenfranchised. We can even feel as if we are not empowered in the world that we live. What can I do in face of all the threats that are hitting my children in their school systems and the anti-gospel that's being proclaimed from every different place in the world and the culture around my children? How, what am I supposed to do in a marriage that's not working out? How am I supposed to assert Christ in a cancel culture? I'll be empowered, says St. Paul. Let the Holy Spirit come inside of you and the grace of Jesus be in your heart. And then he will impel you into that leadership. But without that power on the inside, well, you're going to be in a spirit of fear with what is found on the outside. Don't be afraid. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is why we lead. We don't lead, in other words, because the world is weak. We lead because Christ is strong. And the Christ that is strong is within us. And therefore, we are to take Christ in his strength into this world and face the oppositions that might be there. But it's more than oppositions that are there. Most of the time, it's a neutrality. The world is waiting for you, in other words. The world is waiting for the influence that Christ wants to bring into this world through you. It's waiting for someone to show it the way, to be the hands and the feet of that good shepherd, to say, I am not afraid of something that is good. Why would the light be afraid of the darkness? Why would a teacher be afraid of their students? Why would a doctor be afraid of his patients? Why would a Christian be afraid of the world? 
We are not, in other words, of a grace of people that don't know why we walk and don't know where we're going. We are believers in Christ, Jesus the Lord who has died and who rose again from the dead and who has overcome this world and rules it as the King of Kings because he is the benevolent and merciful God who loves the world so much that he died for it. And he bids us, will you not tell them? Will you not go into the sectors of society, into finance, into engineering, into the office, into the business plan, and show through your passion for this world the love that I have for it. Lift it up by your small business entrepreneurship, by your grit and determination, by your dedication to this world, people will start to understand what mine is as well. This is the role of the Catholic business leader. It's to love this world with the love of Christ and to deploy our energies at his service by the practical transformation of the world and its systems in his name. And this is the vocation that's come to each one of you. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus because the road ahead of you is long and the hill ahead of you is tall, but the God who is within you is bigger and stronger, and we follow him right into that glorious conquest every day. Would you like your business to become a virtuous workplace? Would you like Father Nathan to come to an event in your town? Visit www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash r-events and join for free today. All right, so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, St. Paul uses a really interesting phrase to St. Timothy, who's his spiritual son and whom he's training to be a leader in his footsteps. And he has this amazing uh, way of speaking. And suddenly it's in verse 3 where he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And it's such a strange thing. There's a lot of commentary out about this particular verse because we wonder what exactly does he mean? In Greek, the word is synkakopatheson, which means to suffer with. But it's not just to suffer, it's to bear the harms, to bear the hurts with. And here's the hard part, bear the, bear the hurts with whom? With Paul or with Christ? Well, I think the phrase doesn't really make much sense unless you understand it as being sharing in the suffering, bearing the harms with Christ. Why? Because he says to do this, as a good soldier. This is 2 Timothy 3, and the word that he uses is neat because it's in Greek, it's kalos, which doesn't just mean like a good, like an approved soldier. It means a noble soldier, a soldier who's doing their job well because the Greek word kalos is the same word for beautiful and for good. The two linked together, meaning that in, in a beautiful way, so St. Paul is literally saying, be an excellent soldier. And the word he uses is stratiotes for soldier, which just literally means a common soldier. But as a common soldier would war for his leader in total dedication and service, doing whatever's necessary, whatever the leader says that they're supposed to do, that's what we're supposed to be doing for Christ. And this will cause us to suffer. So St. Paul, instead of saying, well, avoid that, obviously, we just want you to be a good soldier for Jesus. But in the end, like when the going gets tough, hey, you got to preserve yourself. 
No. He says, on the contrary, share in that suffering. Suffer and bear the hardships of Christ Jesus with Christ Jesus as if you were the soldier that he has sent into battle. And he goes on, he says, look, no soldier ends up becoming involved and entangled with civilian affairs. The aim of the soldier is to please the one who enlisted him. What an image, right? Because so many of us have this idea of our faith, which is not gripping. It doesn't really cost us anything. And this is why a lot of our young people even turn away from the church. Because they'll literally say, mom and dad, I don't need the church. And we can say, well, this is a terrible thing. How in the world did they ever get that thought? And I say, actually, I understand why our young people say that. It's because for years, what we've told our young people is that God loves you all the time, no matter what, and that what God wants of you is to be nice to other people. <laughs> and though both of those statements are very true. God loves us always and no matter what, and he wants us to be nice to other people. It's not a matter of this not being the case. It's just that that type of spirituality, if that's the deep as you go, you've left it with this message, God loves me. And I think that that's wonderful, and it's absolutely true. But my question is, the word religion really starts to mean something to me is when I'm asked the question, I know that God loves me, but does God know that I love him? In other words, religion begins with a message about God's love for us, not a doubt, but it needs to summon from us a response. God loves me, but do I love him? God loves us, but do we love him back? What are we willing to do for this God who has done so much for us? He leaves that response free. And here's St. Paul looking at St. Timothy and saying, okay, if you're going to lead, then share in the suffering of Christ Jesus as a good soldier. Bear the hardships that Christ has asked you to bear as if he sent you into those hardships. If you were an athlete, well, then you would compete. If you were a hardworking farmer, then you would end up working to grow the crops. If you're a soldier, then you're going to bear the hardships of a soldier. But it's for the sake of Jesus. And this is, he says, think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I mean, and the one who's telling him this is a St. Paul who's finding himself in chains without a just trial for years. Literally years. If you go back and read the Acts of the Apostles and the trials of St. Paul, it's astounding. The man was not given a fair trial. He had to sit in prison without testimony being made against him as the powers around him changed and didn't know what to do. He finally appeared to appeal to go to Rome and on his way he gets shipwrecked and a snake bites his hand and he has to suffer all kinds, not eating for days. He has all kinds of his life is constantly put in jeopardy. And when you ask St. Paul why, his response is, I'm at the service of Jesus Christ. I'm a worker approved by God. Look at what it says here in, in verse 14. He says, charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. How refreshing to hear St. Paul speak about a Christian leader as a worker. Literally in Greek, it's ergaten, which would be a laborer or one who toils. 
says, this is what you're supposed to be, St. Timothy, in other words. Not someone who, when the going gets tough, says, I don't know why I'm suffering. Suffer with Christ Jesus. Bear your part of the burden that's necessary for the sake of the leadership that you're given. Our Christian faith, in other words, is not a faith that doesn't cost us something. Our discipleship always costs us something because our salvation cost him something. It's not that it costs something ahead of time. He gives us his grace freely. But in the end, our response to that grace will entail a struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil that will, in the end, yes, cost us a lot of comfort, a lot of things that we could find to be of privilege, a lot of selfish egoism. And in the very fact that we pay that price, we're healed from the very things that keep us back from God. Being willing to sacrifice ourselves is the sign of the saving love that is present in our lives. The love that saves us from the inside because no love is worthy of the name that can't be spoken of in terms of sacrifice. Love and sacrifice go hand in hand, which is why you go into your business every day fighting through the cold, fighting through the flu, fighting through uh, all kinds of economic changes and lacks of supply change and lacks of, of proper people working for you. And you innovate and you shift and you pivot and you fight every single day. It's not just for money. It's because God has put you into this world to do what you're doing and you have that conviction deep down inside. You want to please your master. You're like a soldier who wants to please the one who's enlisted him. You are therefore a workman, not ashamed to do the work that God has put in front of you. It's a, such a profound message from St. Paul. To not be afraid of the difficulties that come, they're not the mark of shame, they're actually the mark and proof of love. And to embrace with that deeper love the reason why we're doing the work is because we are the good soldiers that Jesus has put into this world to do the work that he's asked us to do. Why would a spirituality of, of difficulty, of striving, of struggle, but it's a spirituality that's the heart of any true leader. In order for us to really effectuate the chains we want to make, we gotta be willing to fight the good fight to do it and not be those amongst those who in the end say that Jesus wasn't worthy of our suffering. And it wasn't worthy of our struggle. On the contrary, like St. Timothy, may we just be humble laborers, ergaten in Greek, just humble, humble laborers in the Lord's vineyard for the salvation of souls and the progress of the world that he came to save. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.